Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome back to Wazi Circus Radio, a show where I sit down with the most amazing people that I've met in over a decade of professional skydiving. My guest today is a submarine nuclear plant operator for the U.S. Navy, 4,700 skydives, 16 years in the sport, seven world records, definitely, undoubtedly, <laughs> a titan of Texas skydiving, son, <laughs> my friend, Simon Bones. What's up, baby? Hello. Hello. Happy to be here, buddy. Yeah, man. So if you guys have ever seen a video or a picture with a guy with a black jumpsuit and skeleton bones on his jumpsuit, (laughs) maybe riding some shit out of the never-ending story, uh, (laughs) is this dude. Any skydiving pictures with a lightsaber that you've seen? (laughs) It's probably this fucking dude. (laughs) (laughs) It was the best app ever for like... Three months. Yeah. Oh, that everything got. Yeah. There's an app of just like putting lightsabers on on your pictures. Is Any picture in your photo library. Probably. Yeah. Look it up on my. Do you remember what it was called? It wasn't that hard to find. I mean, Google percent, but it was it was just like like a lightsaber app or whatever. And right. so you take any picture in your photo album on your phone, and you can just like give put lightsabers around in hands. That man. Because I saw you. And guys when I first found that app, you guys did. I that. was just like. Because people were like, oh, how you know, you're know you using Photoshop or something. I'm like, no, it's just an app on my phone. I just stick lightsabers in people's hands. It's over people. I like, found this app, and it was just like putting lightsabers on everything. Not just skydiving, I mean. Right. <laughs> I've seen it with cats fighting and shit. Yeah. Look at that shit. That's a, that's a badass fucking shot, dog. <laughs> hey, we need to lightsaber everything, people. I actually got like a like an email. One of these pictures was floating around. One of them with the lightsabers. I don't know if it was this one. But uh, I actually got, like, an email from from someone that was, uh, uh, like, they thought that it was real. Like, they thought that we all went out with, like, toy lightsabers oh, from, like, awesome. Toys R Us. Right. Right? And it was just like, oh, can we get the video of the jump? Yeah, it was, it was like, not like a skydiver, like some media company. They were like, is, oh, is uh, you know, is there a video of that? Like, of all the people with the lightsabers, maybe they're part of a toy company marketing. I don't know what they're right, like. right. But, like, I have to explain, like, no, they weren't real lightsabers. We didn't, like, go get the, you know, the light up ones in the store and, like, all skydive with them. Like, that would have been sick. Yeah, that would have But, been like, sick. actually, it was just a little app on my phone where you just put lightsabers. In that reminds hands. me. Years ago, didn't you fly with swords? Is that right? Uh, yeah, Jason and I, uh, it was JDF, right up, right? Yeah, shout out Jason David Frank, buddy. <laughs> Man, shout out. Well, he, um, we the the, the, I, the Austin tunnel had like just opened, right? I mean, first it wasn't, e- I, I think it wasn't even like at the time when it was open to like first time flyers yet, like it had just like they built, they started flying it, and, like skydivers bought all this time, right? And so it was like very new and very um, fun. That was a fun time. Yeah. That was a really fun time. There was a lot less rules back then. There, yeah. Remember, we just run upstairs, no wristbands. Yeah. Just go fly. I mean, that's small. But well, yeah. Back when you were allowed to go fly without like a jumpsuit on, you know, yeah. you could just go take it skins if you want. Remember how exciting it was to see a tunnel with the doors that opened that we would like get out and run around the tunnel, then jump back in like it was novelty? You mean like as opposed to like the bank fault doors? Yeah. That the-, <laughs> the pressurized fucking like. Deep sea dive doors, yeah. Yeah, it's just you can you can change people out. I mean, like efficiently wise, it's 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 awesome. But yeah. but uh, I don't know, it makes for more room because you can have multiple big groups for like when you're doing camps, like go in and just change a whole lot of people up. But then like actually go dirt dive outside the tunnel. Yeah, super dope. So uh, you and Jason, tunnel isn't open yet. Swords. Uh, so and he was for, always for all y'all that don't know. Jason David Frank is uh, one of the first Power Rangers. <laughs> fucking skydiving motherfucker, real cool guy. The only still Power Ranger. Oh yeah, he's still with it, huh? Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah! I wouldn't let that Power Ranger money go. Either. As far as shit, but um, yeah. So he he's been involved with martial arts a whole a whole lot, and I don't know. We were we were uh, doing a bunch of flying together one summer, and I just I don't know. I my my inner like 
love for the Pirates of the Caribbean movie came out, and I was just like, oh man, like it's sword fights and stuff. That'd be cool. Like let's do yeah. it. And he was like, well, I have a martial arts school or whatever. Like we'll just I'll get some, you right. know. And then of we'll course. just and so we were just at Spaceline one day, and he like developed this whole like like sword fighting routine that we like practiced. And you know, like nice. had to do several goes and practice or whatever. And then he like filmed it all. The, like we did it multiple times. <laughs> I did this funny video of just like us sword fighting around the uh, the packing area at Spaceland. Nice. And then so we started like as this was right when the tunnel opened. So we started like you know blasting some of the friends who were with the tunnel opening. Like, dude, you have to let us fly with these. Right. <laughs> you have to let us fly with these. Like, the we'll keep it slow off. speed. Right. You know, we'll we'll um we'll uh just just you know play a little bit with them. And then, like, we went there, and we brought him, and, like, we thought we had some good traction that, like, it was going to happen. And, uh, you know, maybe tape him up or something like that. Right. Just to get, like, you know, not, like, chasing each other around at, like, a hundred, like topped out or anything. Right. But just to get the <laughs> like, shot. how sick would that be, though? Yeah, that would right? be sick. And so we just kind of went in, and then they were like, we're not going to turn it on. So we were, like, I don't know, just trying to, like, do it you on the net. jumped. That's yeah, we were, we were just doing it around there practicing. I remember yeah. You guys jumped, but it I came out to be like such I an had awesome to photo. To everybody, that, that shit wasn't real. <laughs> That's what it was. I remember what it was because people were like, "Oh, we could do." Th-. I was like, "They're not flying, you guys. They jumped." <laughs> we thought we were gonna get to fly with them, though. We brought them in, like, yeah. I remember that shit. It just there was there was a certain person that like got cold feet right at the end. It was like, no, we're not doing it. Yeah, Danny Cordido got to fly the um, Olympic torch head down, nice. topped out in Brazil. You've been locked up in Brazil. Yes. Locked up abroad. How did you make that segue? That's a pretty good segue. <laughs> so, Wazzy <Sarkis> Radio. <laughs> All right. For one, terrified of being locked up in South America, period, or outside of America, other than Canada. I think that'd be fine. Right? You know, they probably see so you. want to know I went to jail. Yeah, Brazil. I want to know what the fuck happened Dude. in Brazil. Like, hold on. If I, this hold gets on, let me published. Say, like, like, terrified of going to jail in another country. Like, yeah. terrified, yeah, especially a South American third world. Dude, it's not third it's world. a beautiful place, guys, but the a... jails do not recommend. Right, well, I mean, favelas and shit, so yeah. who the fuck is in there? But I wasn't in jail in a favela. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even think, there's not there's even jails in a favela. You just get locked up in someone's bathroom, really? <laughs> blindfolded right now. <laughs> yeah. Is that what happened Probably. No, 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 oh. that didn't happen to me. But, like, <laughs> there's no jail in a favela, I'm sure. Like, I'm if you go to a favela, like... I mean, the people locked up there are locked up in bathrooms with blindfolds. So Brazil is not a third world country. Mm-hmm. But for the facts that there are favelas, that means the prison populations, the jail populations, are probably violent. And from they're a, having a rough time down there. Right. I, I confirm it's gotten a bit worse since we've been down there because you know, well, I don't know, maybe it's getting better now that they just elected their new president. Right. The, I love my Brazilian controversial ex-military guy. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Just go. What, what the fuck happened? Dude, if this gets published, though, like, this is, like, my favorite story to ever tell people, but, you know. It's getting published, All right. son. It's, look at the camera, man. Uh, <laughs> it's so, getting published. So, longtime friend and teammate uh, uh, Penelope and I, we were down in, uh, in, in Rio. Okay. Uh, and then we went up to a little place called Vitoria, north of Rio, a bit of a ways, because there was a, a small Cessna drops went up there that did beach jumps, and we're like, hey, we'll, we'll do some skydives. And like, uh, we did a couple, but like they were like you know really expensive, down there you know so it was like fifty bucks a jump. So we did a couple and then um, so what, like nine know, or something? and then just went around like hung out like looked looked around the town, but there was this big big building like under construction like, <laughs> like right off the beach, <laughs> perfect under construction and um, and we went around and it was kind of windy during the day, but like the winds were gonna die off like late at night, 
So we went around there. We walked around all day, and 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 the the guy we were with was like, ah, you know, whatever. It's Brazil, like, you know, nighttime, just right by the beach. Get in the car and go. Like, what's the big deal? If you guys don't know what he's leading up to, because you guys aren't in the sport, it's called a base jump, son. <laughs> it happens in the middle of the night because it's illegal as fuck. And now it explains. Well, how you it, jail I mean, it's illegal if you know. Well, you can you can get into illegalities here in the U.S., base. but in another country, you know, whatever. Sometimes the rules are different. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so it got late and late go. and late, and like the it, it was kind of windy during the day, and then at, in the evening it was like we were like throwing the little piece of toilet paper because when you're up so, up somewhere like that in the city, you bring like a roll of toilet paper with you, and you just like throw a little like toilet paper okay, wind drifts quick, to quick. see how they go like around the blocks yes. and all okay, that. Okay, so real quick, the winds are huge on a base jump. Um, you don't want to jump off something and get blown back into it, right? And also, there's weird burbles coming off the buildings and stuff, and antennas. So when you crawl up. Um, if you don't know what the wind direction is actually doing, you bring toilet paper, you let a little piece out, and it tells you exactly which way the wind's going. And it changes every couple hundred yeah, feet, so because, you don't know what's, you know. Because some buildings are taller than each other, and then, you, you know, like, you can see how the little air currents change, and, like, right. what you're getting across wind at what altitudes, and where you're going to open up and all that. Yeah, yeah. So, you got, I mean, base jumps are planned meticulously, guys. It's not just some Yahoo shit. Like, it's... It's some Yahoo shit. <laughs> it's stupid, man. It's, so, it's so stupid. It's 007, though. All the planning, and it's fun. It's heart-poundingly fun. So you crawl up. You toss the toilet paper. Yeah, so we're up the there. And we're, we're waiting. We were up there waiting for, like, 40 minutes because, you know, there would be a How gust. There would be a gust. Oh, we're like, oh, we're waiting. And the, and the key was that we were supposed to, like, jump open and then, like, turn right, and then you could just sail down the road towards the beach because it was just a street that went down to the beach. There wasn't much down there, you know. It, it just it, it dead ends at the beach. So it was just jump open, turn right, and you've got like a little runway awesome. to land on, right? Eh, you know, it was a low building. I forget. It was maybe like 250 feet. But, you know, you go throw, are turn doing, right. Uh, PCS? Are you doing? Are you... Oh, we just had big big giant pilot shoots. Okay, so handheld. And um, One, two no, seconds delay? No, it was, it was maybe like 280 or something like that. You know, you it was, it was just, it, I don't remember what it was. I can look it up in my little book. But okay. like you jump, you throw, and then you open up, turn right, and land. And uh, first one, uh, Penny went. She landed, and she and that was good, just perfect, just open, turn right, go. And then I went, and I did went to go and throw, and um, I had like a ninety, like a, like an off heading to the right, mm -hmm. and then I went to 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 counter, and then like a, the gust of wind came back, and like my canopy stopped being responsive, and I was oh, going backwards. Well, I skipped this part. Um, we went during the day and like there was nothing on the street because the building was under construction. So what's going on there? You know, it's not like residents parking and all that. There, there wasn't wasn't anything there. And across the street there was nothing going on either. Just like some places where the, the doors were shut. Well, we came back in the night when we were going to do our jump, and it turns out the little place that had their doors shut looked like a little nightclub, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? It had like some lit up stuff. You know, like they they turned a sign on and they had like the the door kind of open with some bouncers of people. And we we're like, ah, whatever. Like it's still a nightclub. Club, yeah. People are just gonna go. Ooh. Lucky them, yeah. And. Um, so we were up there and we're watching the little nightclub and it, and it's getting a little more a little like more people. This happened like while we're up there waiting like, um, but anyway. So first one goes and now everyone's got their attention. They're like ah, yeah. And then I go and I and I um Jeez. and I, I go have my like ninety or the off heading, and uh, the wind just kind of like tucked me backwards and I'm like oh shit I'm going backwards like back towards the building that was across the street from where I jumped. Okay. So I, I turned right and then started like going backwards towards that, that building. So that's a little more than a 90 then, probably. I had turned right and then I got blown backwards, backwards yeah. from a gust of wind. Yeah, damn it, man. And, um, uh, and so I landed on the awning. It was a hard awning across the street of the building that, that was... Of the club? Yeah. They you just had like a hard awning. I landed... It you was, landed on top of the line of the club? It was like 10 foot up off the street, right? 
it was just like, oh shit, blown back. We're going down. Oh, I just like flared oh, hard, fuck. flared hard, and just landed on. It was like a hard. People were scattering. Line, right? what? Well, well, what happened was like I had to go. There was little like power line distribution lines that were like right next oh, to it. So ace. I landed on the the overhead awning, and my canopy fell and landed on the power lines. And of course, they go up oh, like a fuck. ball of fire. Right? There's electrical sparks, oh, and it's geez. shooting everywhere. And it's like through. right in front of me. And like my first instinct is like get the canopy off the lines. Like stop the short. So I pull, but it snagged on there. So like as I'm pulling now, it's just like sparking more in my face. And I'm like, oh shit! I just made it mad. Right, and so I just I, this <laughs> is the away. base rig that has like the inner cutaway, right? So the, the tuck in back when I dug it out, cut that away, and just like backed off of it, and now the whole thing is just like blowing up, and run? I'm like, this is embarrassing, right? But I'm like ten foot up, so like I kind of like gauge the situation. You're like, oh shit, all right, that's gonna keep going. Uh, then I'm gonna like hop down off the balcony, and 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 just kind of run across the street and just make a getaway or to whatever. I don't know. Yeah, just get get. I'm gonna get the fuck out of here. To right? the beach. <laughs> So I like crawl over the edge and I hung, you know, and it's like 10 foot up. So it was, you know, probably a three or four foot drop, not much. And just dropped down to my feet. And as soon as I did this, this big dude that had a fucking like, like a cop badge, uh, like in, in civilian clothes, mm. just like ran up and was like, sit down there. And I was like, I'm in Brazil. Like I'm going to try and run from some like, a, yeah. well, like plain clothes Brazilian cop, right? I'd have ran like a motherfucker. And it turns out that the little bouncers that stand in front of the door for the club are all off-duty cops. Because that's how they make their side income. They don't make a lot of money or anything. So he's an off-duty oh, cop. Chase you down. Maybe you it's not just some like some some big bozo, right? It, right. They're, they're, they're actually off-duty off cops that were like at the, the little bouncers at the bar. So I'm like, ah, oh, shit, busted, right? Yeah. But it's Brazil, you know, so you know, you, you fork out a little money, you know, and then no harm, no foul, right? You go right. the other way. But uh no, then it kind of turned into an ordeal. <laughs> so because the power went out to the building and like a couple other buildings in the area, right. everybody had to exit the building. Right. And like all these people left uh, from this nightclub, which so turns out wasn't going. actually a nightclub. What was it? It was a brothel. Oh, fuckery. So now all these people are piling out. Like it's the middle of the night. They're like half drunk. They were probably in bed, you know. Oh. Oh, at this brothel, like asshole. all these Johns and hookers start coming out of this place, <laughs> an and all these Brazilian ladies start coming and yelling at me, like, like you owe me money, oh, you know. But God. like in in Portuguese, but you know some yeah. of them in like broken English because I'm obviously you know just a, a freaking tourist. And so they're like, you owe me money, you owe me money, and uh, so the police, like, they were just like, you, we got to get you out of here. So holy they, shit! So they become your fucking protectors, kinda like. Kinda, yeah. So, um, yeah, they put me in the back of the cop car, and we're like, "All right, we're gonna go to the city and figure. Th we're gonna go to the to the the office and figure this out." And so, whew, I'm whisked away. And um, and part of this is what's going on is that the they contacted the owner of the brothel. Um, you know, ask if you wanted to press charges, and the guy said, "Oh, you know, I'm gonna get money for this, right?" So he he was gonna, you know, at this point they already had my passport. They were like, "All right, we're gonna extort this guy for money." I'm like. So I go to the jail. You could sell this to locked up abroad. I go to the jail, and they actually gave me my canopy back when the when the utility came. <laughs> like they were very quick out there, and they like right. they shut off the power because the transformers were blowing up and all that, and uh, and they just pulled it all off, and they just kind of threw it down, and they you know went to go start repairing the line because they brought like line with them, and they immediately started like you know right. restringing some line, and so the cop was like, 
well, here's your parachute. Just kind of like handed it back to me. So like even in the cop car, I've got like my little parachute with me, like stuffed under my oh, arm. Well, hold up. They were that quick to where before the brothel girls started yelling at you. Well, they but, but like up, it, it kind of developed down. over time. Like, if, you know, as people slowly started trickling out, right. the cops was already there. The Didn't take long for the cop car. They start, you know, working on it. And then like we're questioning on the street. And then like the more and more people started coming. And then like what happened, whatever. And then like people are eventually pointing at me. And then like people start shuffling mm-hmm. over. And then the girls parachute. are like, oh, you owe us money. And so eventually as things kind of heated up, they went to the cop car. And of course I was sitting back there for like 15 or 20 minutes. Right. And so at the whole time, you know, they were up there repairing the line. They're there pretty ninja. Go. Pull it down. Hand so you shit. I'm at the, um, I'm at the police station and there's the general holding cell where there's like a thousand people in a spot for like 50. You know what I mean? It's right. just like packed. This is what I imagined. Packed, right. And, uh, and, and the room is kind of like, a, it. like oh, it's almost like a giant shower and that there's a central drain and it's just a dude that walks back and forth with a shotgun in front of this room of like packed people. And, uh, you know, but I'm like the tourist, not the, not <laughs> so they've got my passport and I'm just kind of like handcuffed to this like little bench in front with a thing. And they're like, we're not going to put you in there. And there's like, nobody actually like spoke very good English at all. Right. Any. Right. And like my Portuguese is eh, yeah. at best. It's not terrible because I speak Spanish pretty good. Um, so, you know, you don't want to say that like they're the same, but like if you can speak Spanish, like people are going to understand you better. If you have like, if you can do some Spanish, some English, you know, people We're can not sort out. We're exposed to Portuguese in this country much. You know, it's just Spanish. Yeah, not so much. You know, but yeah. Okay. So fucking jail cell. And uh, so they have my passport, and then eventually through all the drama, a friend that I was there visiting with in Brazil, like we were traveling, he was a Brazilian, so he comes like to my aid and thank, and God. like because now he's a good interpreter, he speaks English and Spanish. Yes. He actually he owned the drop zone up in the northeast east for a while, so we were skydiving buddies, and uh, mm. cheers to you, seven bones. So he negotiates, and the owner of the place says he wants like ten thousand American dollars right now because they had negotiated like a higher thing to like a much lower. Um, it was actually, that part's kind of crazy too, but, um, and I was like, I don't have 10,000 bucks. Right. Right. At this point, like I'm in my last year, uh, in the Navy and I'm totally on leave, like down in Brazil and they don't even know my, they know I went on leave, but I didn't tell them I was down in Brazil. Right. right. So we're going to like call, call like my chain of command and be like, Hey, remember I said I was going to go visit family in Philly. (laughs) I'm in a Brazilian jail. (laughs) <laughs> so like i was oh. kind of in a really bad spot you know thinking like man like this is gonna i don't know if this is an ordeal or then they have to, whatever but um because i didn't have ten thousand dollars cash so eventually that turned into like all right well i have to like sign this plea agreement thing there Promissary. that says that that i have to pay with what i have now and then on return of the u.s i have to pay like the rest of it right well so i'm like not wanting to pay and they're like well we actually want you to pay more but you're getting out of this easy to pretty much buy your passport back right you know so i'm like fuck right so i had this like one mastercard in my wallet that i had like had for six eight years and had never used and all the rest of them was like the visa through my bank so i was like okay well here's my credit card and you can put like a thousand on here and they were like sounds good that's your thousand so they swiped my credit card Right. At the police station to give the dude money for the down payment on this ten thousand dollars, right? Uh, huh. People who say base jumping free are total liars, yeah, right? Fuck. It's not free. There's nothing free about it. <laughs> when anything, anytime you get run into trouble, it's expensive trouble. Yeah, yeah. And they also say, <laughs> and you run into trouble get, quite frequently. You're gonna get hurt, arrested, or you're gonna fuck your gear up. Yeah. You got every. Did you get hurt? 
ah, bumps and bruises, right? Yeah. But so whatever. All three in one trip. And uh, yeah, but so they, they 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 took the thousand on that card, and we went on the rest did of our trip, it? and like we left right out of town because there was this whole other drama about but who that you, guy was. Did you cancel it? When I got back to the U.S., I had a message from them saying like we found this weird like charge from a restaurant in Brazil for a thousand dollars. Was this you? And I was like, nope. I'm already back in the U.S. I'm like. <laughs> What? Brazil? I've never even been to Central America. Where's that? <laughs> Is that next to Rome? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, yeah, it sounds kind of fishy, so we'll let it go. Oh, right? We'll just, the you know, they'll just chop up your card, whatever, return the fee. So that guy Thought was it boss. would end there. Thought it would end there. Then a few weeks later, they email me back, and they're like, or they, they start calling you, and they're like, hey, we got, we denied that charge, and they came back, and they have this whole police report in Portuguese, and, uh, you know, it's it's um, we had to get like a translator to translate it, but it pretty much says you're on the hook for that money and you signed to it on this contract here because it says that you were like parachuting on their buildings and caused damage. <laughs> and they're like, this is the craziest story I've ever heard. And I don't know if it's the translation from the Portuguese, right. but like, is there any truth to this? Nope. <laughs> like parachuting on buildings in Brazil. I don't even know where that is. You're talking like, what am I, some kind of Mission Impossible? Is that in Italy? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, it's kind of crazy, you know. Like I've, all these years working this job, never heard something like this, right? So they're like, well, can you can you have any proof? Like, is there any proof that you were like, just give us proof that you were in the U.S. somehow, okay. and that's fine for us, right? Well, so then he just went to the. I was in the Navy at the time. I had my buddy. We just went like, like made a, like a, like, like he was like my buddy. Uh-huh. And I just had him like write a letter being like, I am the chief petty officer. <laughs> <laughs> Signed it like chief petty officer <laughs> won't say John, his name. Right. Yeah, Johnson Williams. <laughs> <laughs> and sent it. And they totally were like, sounds good to me. <laughs> You better not go back to Brazil, son. <laughs> hey, because Homeboy owns restaurants. He owned that tonight, the brothel. That's some hood shit. That's some OG gangster shit. He was like, yeah, just charge that shit to the to the restaurant. I'll get at this cow. Yo, that's some crazy shit. They're like, what restaurant charges $1,000 to parachute on their buildings and cause damage to it? Like, this oh. is a... They're like, uh, maybe we got oh, a bad translator. <laughs> maybe the brothel was registered as a restaurant, and that's what yeah, it was. Yeah, something like that. Or he owns restaurants and brothels. That's a bad man. I don't know. I heard some stuff about The man. cop was, like, telling me stuff about him, like, that his stepson or whatever was, like, shot recently to death on, like, some drug deal gone bad because exactly. somehow he's got, like, like the— Because, like, prostitution, like, was technically illegal in the town, but, like, when you're paying off cops to guard your front door— and you know you're oh, you're involved in some cartel shit or whatever. Right. I guess uh, they said that his stepson was like in, killed in some shootout for some drug deal. So they're like, you're dealing with some like bad hombres around here. That's some heavy hitters, son. It was actually kind of scary. Like when I, when I got like for the first two weeks, you know, that like, after all that went down, I was back in there. I'm like, dude, they're gonna send some hit squad after me. <laughs> Not for ten It was to... bullshit anyway. Like what? what like I mean, they lost wire. like two hours of revenue at their little bar. I mean, yeah. I wonder what, But ten thousand uh, it was not ten thousand dollars, dude. How do you say you owe me money in Portuguese? Ten thousand US dollars. No <laughs> I way. hear a bunch of chicks yelling, you owe me money. <laughs> That's fucked up. That's fun. That's probably the funnest story I've ever heard about a base jump. Well, that's the neat thing. Like in some kind of base jumping, like when you're climbing towers here or buildings and cranes downstairs, man, like they're all like individually like quite an adventure. Every one of my jumps has been amazing. 
You know, like people like I only got thirty five, but I tell people there were thirty five badass space jets. You know, like weeks of planning sometimes, weeks and like stealing planning. key cards to buildings and or picking locks. We, picking we locks, pick yeah. Locks in the Cessna or doing tandems, just sitting there on the way up. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the Ghetto Bird crew, man. We learned from the Banditos. Those guys figuring man. out how to like how to like get copies of keys or how to like change the locks or or, or like put copies of keys in the building to change out the ones. You know. Hey, I'm talking about sitting in a restaurant crazy and watch stuff, the security man. go around and be like, it's every five minutes. It's every 10 minutes he comes mm-hmm. around. You got to get that gate. There's the stairs. Or you hit that part of the crane and you get to the parking garage. For the parking garage, we might need a fucking rope. <laughs> that shit's crazy. Yep. Shit's crazy. It's, shit's, it's so much fun. And, and part of me is glad I don't really joke. do it in much anymore. Nah, I don't do it at all anymore. <laughs> I remember it's not just a joke. Like, planning was fun to me, man. There comes a time when you're just like, man, I could like risk professional licensure or something like that. Yes. Well, you can. I can't get arrested and I can't get hurt. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I've got to work. I'm not allowed to get arrested, so. Yeah, fuck. I, was, I mean, other than the, the one time in Brazil. <laughs> no, it doesn't even exist. <laughs> and then the time I was 16 drinking beer. <laughs> that was, okay, we're not going to talk about me. All right, <laughs> you you have been on the record chase for years. Like you've seven world records in countless states. Well, and local records. I I have been on the chase to see the upright formations get to one hundred people. How far? How close are we? The current one is seventy two. Okay. And it was supposed to be our hundred way. That right. was supposed to be it. Like we planned for it and all that. We had like one hundred and twenty people there. Um, and we just got like totally, you know, uh, dirtied on the weather. And okay. like we were having like solid overcast clouds at like 11,000 feet, but we were doing like 50 ways from like 11,000 feet, like multiple plane runs and all Shit. that. Yeah. And uh, so it was like three days of doing like 50 ways from 11. And you're like building pretty good. We were just like pretty, pretty proud of ourselves. So yeah. being like, man, from 11 grand, we were building almost 50 ways on our feet. That's nice. Um, but then like on the last day, we had like one last day of record jumps, and that's when like the skies opened up, and it was like for 120 people here, like only 50, you know, about 50 people were doing 50 ways, and then we had like a 40 ways group, like, and then, you know, there was just a lot of, you know, then to go from there to like 100, right, you know, so they were like, let's stage it up based on our success rate. So we went up to like 72. And I don't know, maybe it took us like an attempt or two, but like we nailed it. And then uh, they were like, "It's there's like two jumps left. Like we're not gonna like go up to a hundred for the last two and walk mm-hmm. away. Like you know, quit while you're ahead, kind of thing." Yeah, but this year, this year, uh, yeah. This so this it. year, uh, we just I just got back from Phoenix. Uh, the Arsenal crew was um, they've uh, they've they've really you know ran with this football, this upright uh, big way football, and it's been awesome. Um, so to get on the, to get on this record, you have to go to Arizona and do a camp. No, not necessarily. Like this year, they're doing tryouts. Uh, in Sebastian, okay. um, and that'll be like Jason Russell and Steph. They're doing that. Shout out Jason Russell. Yeah, and then uh, they're doing some Imperial Brava. Um, oh, it's a world record. Yeah. And then uh, there's gonna be one in Chicago, up in uh, uh, Ottawa. Okay. And um, Ottawa. Who's in Ottawa? Is that Chicago? Yes. Okay. Of, where Where is Chicago skydiving? Chicago. Uh, yeah. Chicago land. Yeah. They're in Rochelle now. Okay, they yeah. moved from Shout their previous Doug. drop zone, yeah, yeah. and that place is like a luxury drop zone. I, Doug, I, hey, I was there when his first hangar burnt down, like twelve years, ten, twelve years ago, and they had to move, and now he's built it up to fucking amazing. It's it's actually pretty like 
luxurious. Yeah, that's what I've heard. You're like, man, this place is just well, you gotta shiny. Go, you got to compete with the fucking legacy of the Yeah. Place. How do you do that? You know, that's that, that's also part about that free market, man. Like, yeah. everyone's got to one-up each other. It's a beautiful part of the free market. You get somewhere like Doug's place, man. Mm-hmm. I was on um his first pack load when he first got the pack, and he left the gas cap off, and we got to like 600 feet, had to turn around back and land, his first flight in it. I was pretty proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you left we're like, we smell fuel in your brand new plane. Yeah, that was cool. He's still flying one of those packs too. Is he? I always love those planes. Nice. I like the pack. I mean, it's the only skydive specific aircraft ever built, correct? Yep. Right? Like, well, it, it was like like repurposed. It was like a like a crop duster in New Zealand for a while and then they were oh, like it was repurposed. I don't know. I guess they, they were like, Well, if you just outfit this with electronics, like you know, it could be, and then modify the door, right? And then put some bars on the outside. Like, it would actually be a really good, you know, awesome plan because it's economic, mm-hmm. right? You can run, like, four loads an hour on that thing. You can start yeah. it with less people because it's so much more fuel efficient and all that stuff. Right. So, I don't know. You always get those, like, pack haters that were like, but the wing is so uh, weird. Yeah, the, t- the tail's low. The tail's <laughs> low. But I like, I, and then, um, <laughs> don't jump up. And then I was like, well, I don't know about you, but we, you know, we'll start it with seven and turn it with five. And then it's a six minute ride to altitude when it's, you know, not a lot of people. And because I did a tandem earlier today, my jumps are 17 bucks for the rest. No, no, no. It was, um, 13 bucks. The staff rate there at the time when I was jumping in a good pack drop zone and, uh, $13. Uh, no, no, I mean, it was, no, it was 17. Because for, I'm trying to remember because if you did like a, a work jump, you got paid like 35 bucks. But then if you were trying to fun jump it all off, that means on your staff rate, it was two fun jumps and a buck. Mm, for one each jump. For each jump. Oh, that's yeah. dope. Right? So, yeah. Oh, so he's smart. You show up Saturday he's morning. He's smart. He ain't going to pay you a goddamn thing. The plane's going up anyway. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you show up Saturday morning money, and you go throw down like four tandem jumps. Just that means that, shit off. You got eight jumps, that means I got eight jumps and four dollars on my account at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could finish my tandems, like do some hot loads, and then boom, just go throw on like eight free fly jumps all day. Nice. So you are you in Chicago a lot? Uh, I had been going quite a few times a year uh, for a, a few different fun things. We get to do some like intro to sit, sit flying formation building stuff. Uh, some of the boogies over the years have been awesome at Doug's new place. Um, because, you know, they got the volleyball courts out there. Everybody's playing the outdoor bar, the music, the bands and everything. And you're, like, swooping the back. Yeah, it's, Shout out it's, CSC, it's nice place, putting man. it down, putting So the boogies down. are always fun. And, like, everybody goes 110%. Nice. They're, like, the Beer Olympics every year with Sunpath. Nice. Yeah. So, look, I took something from Doug years ago, and I brought it to every fucking drop zone I can, okay? He couldn't sell beer. You can't sell beer. He well, that has like changed. Well, but before you couldn't. But. You could raffle off a T-shirt once a year, five dollar ra- wait three dollar raffle tickets, and with every raffle ticket, free beer. I like it. Fuck yeah! And they raffled off the shirt at the end of the year, and they actually did it. They did the raffle, they pulled a ticket, and gave it away completely legit. I was like, "You're the fucking man." <laughs> this is how it is <laughs> from now on, dude. That's dope, mm. man. You're a world traveler. Like, on a real-level party, people. Not like he's been to fucking every Sandals resort. <laughs> no, I've actually never done an all-inclusive. Like, I just, I'm oh, not in, the into the... They're the shit. I just much prefer a backpack and a hostel and a freaking yeah. crummy bus ride. <laughs> it, depends, it depends. If you just need to chill out, man, and just go walk around, be alone, eat and drink to your heart's desire with no distractions. Like, if, if, if we're at a all-inclusive, we don't really go to the city. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're there for the all-inclusive experience it's not really a travel experience 
It's an all-inclusive, chill out, don't have to do anything. Oh, I've told, I, I, I get it. It's yeah, just, but like yours is a travel experience, a backpack, a hostel. Let's go. That's we, I, we have more fun that way. Pakistan. I mean, we did Hungary, we did like Budapest. one one like it wasn't like a, a all-inclusive resort, but it was like a little resort hotel on the beach. You know, you start to pay for all your drinks or whatever, but it was just like a nice little place on, on the beach that had like a little restaurant Coaching. or whatever. That was in Belize, down in the south part of Placencia. You know, it's this nice little like tourist kind of like beachfront getaway area of uh, Belize, Belize, and um. Yeah, it was nice for a few days. Kind of just did the whole like layout on the beach and and sip, you know, little but drinks on those little like on the life, little, right? the nice couches they put on the. Th- it was it was really fun, like just sipping rum and OJ's. You know, they call right. them the panty rippers down there. Panty rippers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or rum and pineapple juice. Rum and pineapple oh, juice. That's okay. what it is. And they make great rum down there in Belize. But um, yeah, outside of that, like we just do a lot more like hit it hard backpacks, hostels. So what is down the, the what move. is the Simon Bones travel experience like? You go. Like let's say you're gonna go to where? Where Sri Lanka, <laughs> Colombo, right? Colombo, okay. Yeah, well that's that's I think the capital of Sri Lanka. I, I've I've eyed that place up before. I I really need to spend a lot more time doing the like the Central Asia thing. And uh, um, some friends and I we're we're really aiming to start for I think we're looking at summer 2020. We're gonna try and do over the course of more than one trip, uh, pretty much most of like more if all the length of the Himalayas. You're gonna walk it. Yeah, I mean not. Like strictly trekking. Hold on, I got a thing here. Really yeah. <laughs> yeah, like maybe not like the whole thing on a trek. I mean, there would just be thousands and thousands of miles. Like, right. I mean, you know, you could take a bus from this town to that town, and oh, then and then tour. like do this hike this way over here, and then you know catch like a, a city to city bus there. But like, do it all the way from like eastern Bhutan through Nepal, parts you know through Tibet. Like we already have the ten year Chinese China visa. So then we just have to get the Tibet permission and then do like that part of it. Uh, probably try and throw in like an Everest base camp and then keep it going. You, you go, got to go through the chicken neck of India and then uh, uh, and then you can start getting into like Pakistan, which is like save that one to the end. You know, hope the situation is it's a little more favorable right. for American passports and stuff like that. Right. But the goal is ultimately over the years to do the whole length of the Himalayas from Bhutan all the way through Pakistan. That's rough, um, right? It would take a, a few trips. I mean, just just. But you definitely, you definitely have, trip, it's, you would definitely have your backpack that's got like outfitted with a lightweight, you know, like high end tent for cold weathers and winds. And water purifiers. Yeah, we could bring a water. We haven't had to do that yet. Uh, we had the the jet boils for when we were doing the rehydrating foods and stuff like that when we were down in uh, the mountains in uh, Chile and Patagonia. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a good like trek across mountains there. That was a few days of just yeah, like roughing it, pitching tents. And uh, and just and they had to be rated for like the forty or no more was it sixty mile I don't know like crazy crazy winds because they would funnel through the, the glacier mountains there with the temperature differentials and um yeah well hiked a ton but yeah Chilean Patagonia that was awesome but like so what is it you but that you can hike for days and days and just cover ground and you can go to penguin colonies and see stuff in the nature and you're miles away from anything. At, at oftentimes, yeah, but then also mix it up because they get out there. You got to go into a cool city like Buenos Aires, right? So then just go spend four days like doing like tango dancing with steak and wine in in Buenos Aires, and then like catch the flight out of there to a more regional place like way out in the middle of nowhere, and go on a cool bit cool like hike or take a, a bus to some glacier, and uh, go to these remote villages, and uh, just rough it that way. For a while, and then go back to the city, and then you right. know, go tango dancing or whatever. What's one of the most breathtaking views you've ever seen on a trip? 
a lot of the a lot of those like mountain trek areas can just be like really beautiful like that like uh, are like the, the Patagonia areas of like Argentina and Chile, but then uh, like last summer we went out to the uh, the Caucasus Mountains that was out there in uh, in Azerbaijan, Armenia, and the Republic of Georgia, okay. and um, we had some uh, some good skydiving friends, Wade and Rose, love right. We all went out there together on just this crazy adventure of just, you know, backpacking. And we didn't do the tenting this time because we had planned for the mountain uh, trek through the greater Caucasus Mountains, uh, way back there in the in the Svaneti Valley of uh, the Republic of Georgia. Um, they were just lots of little tiny villages of like population, sometimes 12 or, you know, it was just like two families in this little village. And it's got this old beautiful architecture of these big like defense tower castles that they had to build because of all the years of like Persian invaders yeah, and, and crazy like, Ottoman invaders yeah. and stuff like that. They all run up in the valley and the families would just run up in these towers. And it's like sick because all down the mountain valley you can just see these big stone towers. And we just like hiked wow. for something like four days from like village to village. Uh, and we had to do a few mountain passes to go from one valley over the, the Caucasus Mountains into the next valley to go stay at another little village. And these villages had like mud roads with like cattle walking down the roads and all that stuff. And, and like the four of us would just get these like four little corner bunks for like backpackers who were on that, you know, some of these little towns just had like a house, you know, that some old lady ran, but she, you know, realized the market for like backpackers, backpackers. Yeah. And she just like turned a room into like four bunk beds and you would just go and like, you couldn't really like for some of them get uh, like bookings ahead of time. Some of them you just had to like show up. And then just ask, like, where you can get a place to stay for the night. And they're like, but these old ladies, these old Georgian ladies in the mountains, like, they loved it, right? Because they right. would, like, cook a big dinner and, you know, and you, you just pay yeah. some money, like, 20, you know, whatever for. And she'd bring out, like, because they live out in the middle of nowhere. So, like, all their wine, like, they hand make, all their, like, little distillations, so, like, the local hooch, the cha-cha, you know, like, they, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, um, like, moonshine, but, like, in the Caucasus Mountains, right? they call it the cha-cha, and it comes from... Like distilled grapes, and yeah, we're just we're eating in these little ladies' houses, and like can't, the total language barrier, right? Because right. they speak like Sakartvilla, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, I learned a few like, hello, goodbye, cheers. <laughs> right, right, of course, yeah, of course. And um, but like you're just you know through hand motions and like trying to talk, and they want to feed you because you have money and you're staying with them in their house, and they but they want to you know show off their, their dishes and, and show you pictures and, and like get, have a shot with you and like take pictures, you know, all that. It's yeah. fun. Yeah, they're like, they're fun. like, you know, backpackers or whatever. And, and, uh, yeah, we did that all through the, the mountains there. And then we went, you know, through Azerbaijan, which was a whole nother adventure. And then we like road tripped all across, like the lesser Caucasus mountains, Armenia, it was just covered in flowers and it was beautiful. And, um, Went to some really cool stuff up there, like saw some like really old archaeological digs for like six thousand year old wines and stuff like that. Wow. Oh, yeah, and then there's like this whole wine country part of that part of the world that's like, I just hope nobody ever finds out about this place because it'll right. like, you know, then it'll be overrun with tourists. Good, so don't say it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> man. So where would you live if you had the choice? Unlimited resources, you're fine. Panama. Panama. <laughs> yeah. Panama. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, like, well, I live in Houston, right? And and one of the reasons I love Houston is because it's just the center of so many awesome things, right? Like, it's, it's you're like, I'll never have to shovel snow ever. Ever, 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 I'll never have to shovel snow. It just doesn't exist. And that's you fine. Know, I, 11 months of the year, I'm in cargo shorts and flip-flops. And then one month of the year, you got to, like, dig out the pair of jeans you have 
You know, I mean, it's just, you can, it's, it's very outdoors, outdoor patios, it's, it's outdoor, I'll never have to like shovel snow ever again. But the cost of living is so low because it's not a tourist city. Right. But it's also the fourth biggest city in the country, you know, New York, LA, Chicago, Houston. So it's a big city. It's got all the things you need in a big city, like rapid access to, you know, emergency medical services in the giant Texaco Medical Center, but all the, the way through from things like the, all the restaurants and food. Yeah. Like we can go to a Nigerian restaurant today and a Honduran restaurant tomorrow, you right. know, and then all the crazy fusions and food trucks and all these. The, the big population awesome makes for a big ethnic mix of restaurants and like festivals and like all that mm -hmm. stuff's going on all the time. But the low cost of living is low. You know, right. not a tourist town, right? Right. So you get like all this awesome stuff in your backyard and it's cheap. And um, so you take like all those awesome things and, and the economy is always good. The economy is always great because not only oil and gas country, but then it's like all the Texas Medical Center. And I mean, it's just a thriving business hub. Right. The economy is always good. Houston never slows down. That's why it grows so fast. It's right? one of the most diverse. And it's right on the ship the channel. And yeah. But like if you took all of everything about Houston and you scaled it down about 70%, Panama. that's Panama City. Right, because it's right there on the Panama Canal, so there's just always commerce. The economy is always right. booming. Things are moving fast. Right, money is always flowing through the country because of the ship canal. Then they gotta widen the canal. Recently, we were down there, and it was like they're building a second parallel canal next to it. That has to go bigger for some of the bigger shipping trucks that are going all bigger, throughout yeah, Southeast Asia, and then like after the Southeast Asia, they go up through the canal and then up to Houston to just you know to distribute. But like, so the, the city is like a booming, big, bustling, bustling place, but it's right on the Pacific coast. So you get like Chilean sea bass for cheap, right? Like, and in, in you just get your, your, what do they call it? The ceviche of just like Chilean sea bass ceviche anywhere for cheap in a styrofoam cup on the street. Just delicious, right? Oh, With the seafood. So and then it's like the old city part. And then you're like, Three hours away, no less. I mean, right there within an hour from the city, you've got like beaches, you've got jungles with like monkeys in them and shit like that. Uh, birds, all the migratory birds of the North American continent start funneling down in the narrower and narrower and narrower land space that is Panama. And the bird density goes crazy with all these tropical birds and migratory birds everywhere. Sounds like heaven, dude. Gorgeous, right? And then, then there's yeah, beaches, and then and then there's the big city, and then you go into the mountains to go to like coffee bean farms. And then, and then there's the east coast of it too, because it's just narrow. You could like literally go and watch sunrise on the beach in the Caribbean, and then like drive an hour and a half, and then go watch sunset on the beach on the Pacific coast. That's pretty. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> See what I'm saying, right? Yeah, like, yeah. You like I got the Caribbean to my right, I got the Pacific coast to my left, an abundance of seafood, mountains, birds. The temperature varies daily. From between like 76 degrees Fahrenheit to like 82 degrees Fahrenheit. Like the high and low for the day, like consistent all year round. Wow. <laughs> so what's the economy like for like versus the dollar is pretty much comparable? They use the U.S. dollar actually because they do so much business with the canal, the canal that the U.S. built. Right. Uh, since the U.S. built that canal and, and owned it for many years before they turned it back to the Panamanian government after, you know, you get your return on investment. Right. Right. Uh, but now they just they, their economy is entirely in U.S. dollars. You go down there and pay in dollars, except for the coins, right? So what they do is they make exact copies of the U.S. coins of like shape and weight, and they just have a different print on them mm. that are like Panama, right? So like right. they would each work like in a quarter, a quarter would still... work in a quarter here or there. If you can oh, wow. bring them back and use them, because oh, the, they're exactly the same and worth exactly the same, except they just don't have the you know they just. Wow. They're mint. They just started making them with like the Panama stuff on it. So there is a little bit of like localness to their currency. Well, that's pretty rad. And is uh, there a Panama skydive? 
Uh, they do. They're, um, they're, I know they do like a boogie out on the island that's off the west of Panama City. We haven't been to the boogie. And then, you know, some of the, the, the tourist towns, I'm sure, like Bocas del Toro and all that, there's probably some Cessna operations and all that. And like, and, and I know that over the years people, you know, would organize little getaway jump weekends like that because there's right. one coming up in Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. People get those going together like around the Caribbean where it's just mob out, like rent a plane for a week. Everybody it's splits the cost big. and yeah. go big. But they're pricey boogies. I yeah, don't go to as much. Because you're playing plane and mm-hmm. travel and, yeah. And, and a big slice of the pie. Right. To make it happen. Man. So, um, favorite food. Like, mm. where's the one thing you ate and you're like, good God. And what country is that? Uh, well, if you're a sushi fan, obviously, like, Tokyo. Okay. Right? To go to, like, the Tokyo fish market, like, the, the Fukushiji. I can't, like... I couldn't pronounce it then, like I'm gonna like <laughs> remember back and and do it right. But yeah, like for for there, like sushi is a breakfast food. Seriously? Yeah, and and hear me out on this, right? Because it's a market, right? It's a fish market. That's where like all oh, these morning. big fishermen come in, and their prize, like their income, is selling for sometimes millions of dollars. These like deep sea, very very deep sea, like large tunas that are right. like, you know, 2,000 pound tuna fish from the deep cold that's just got like the best fatty meat because it's a cold water deep sea tuna. And um, and once you start cutting them up, like, you know, it's, a, it's at its most delicious to going back from there and they dry ice pack those and they send them around to New York yeah. City and Las Vegas and Los Angeles and all that stuff. But you are there like when it's yeah. coming off and like the local places, the little local, you know, Sushi houses at the fish market, they're getting that fresh cut every morning. That by the time you get it in Los, like Las Vegas or something like that, it's at least two days old, right? It's right. it's a, a super high cut and it's been very well preserved and chilled to get there overnight. Why it's pay such but, a premium for it, but it it's still like two right days there. old, right? Right. So if you're a sushi fan, like just going to Tokyo and just like going for breakfast because that is even more fresh than lunch. <laughs> wow. So you get up early and you go out there to get like a sushi breakfast of just the most freshest, like high end, top dollar, gold plated fucking fish from uh, off the sea of Japan. Awesome. That is a good place for the, the hungry sushi fans right, among right. us. But then there's also like Oktoberfest in hey, Germany, Germany, man. Like if you're a schnitzel fan, that whole region and like Germany and like Bavaria through Austria. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. If you're a schnitzel fan. In Vienna, I saw the yeah. biggest schnitzel I've ever seen in my life. Was, they put it right in front of was me. It, a juicy it was it was they put it right in front of me. I was, oh. <laughs> I put it in my mouth. <laughs> it was heaven, man. Ah, <laughs> so um what, what inspired you to start brewing mead and beer and alcohol? Uh, weren't you into like petroleum? Weren't you in a lab for a while? Uh I I I mean I had some lab classes at university and, and no, all I just that. saw I remember pictures of you in a lab. Shit. Oh my my kitchen. <laughs> oh, okay. So, I have like a full like little like yeast lab. Like my, it's my kitchen, right? Oh. But I have like all like the, okay. the the stir plates and the and the you know two eccentric, one so two liter flask, five liter flasks, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I have like an autoclave. Like don't tell anybody <laughs> shit that's published now. <laughs> I mean petri dishes yeah. and and, so uh, and, and like pipettes and all that. Yeah, because I got into like the yeast science part of it for a while. And uh, oh man, what like a rabbit hole of of, of adventure going into the yeast sciences of uh, home brewing. Um, yeah, but you so know we're, we're I, taking some of your cider. Yes, so so Claire and I. Well, I'm not because it's, oh, it's gone. Where did it go? Let me see. It's right there. Uh, uh, it, 
uh, commercial. No, no, fuck it, let's talk. Oh. It's a cider. I it's, think it's, hey, a... it's sour. It's sour as fuck at first, and you're like, whoa, it tastes like hooch from jail. <laughs> I'll show you how much I've been locked up. Yeah, it tastes like hooch a little bit, and you're like, oh, fuck. Well, we try to make a cider like out. once or twice a year. <laughs> I don't need to know that. <laughs> we try to make a cider like once or twice a year. And uh, uh, it's funny because in the fall, you go to the grocery stores and you see these big, like, handle jugs of, of cider that just all the grocery store. And it's like, we're just going to buy one of those and we're going to, like, dump a bunch of honey from our bees in it mm-hmm. and then and then ferment hold on, it. Hold on, pause. We're going to dump a bunch of honey from our bees in it? Yeah. <laughs> Citrus, son. I'm not fucking around. This is my dog. What up, Bones? My beard's gone. <laughs> yeah, that's gone. Yo, so you have bees? You're a beekeeper? Yes, we have two hives on our rooftop. We live in in, uh, in the downtown area of uh, Houston. We're all lacking at life, guys. If you haven't gone through eyes, the lower caucuses and stared at the flowers and, and played your bees and made your own mead, you're fucking slipping, son. <laughs> Step your game up, baby boy. <laughs> no, it's, 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 I really wish more people would, would keep bees because it is like the... it's. It, people, I know so many people that go through the effort to like learn to skydive, and you're like, you are like learning one of the most difficult things in the world, and like beekeeping is so fucking easy. You don't do anything but just steal their honey. <laughs> <laughs> like you go set up the hive, and like that's a little bit of work to like you know get the boxes, put a box on top on of each roof. other. Yeah, I have them in, in the rooftop, so okay. you, you know you stack your boxes, and then you go to an apiary one day and you buy like a fucking three pound box of bees and then there's a box and they have like a little separate box for the queen and you just open it up and dump them in the box you obviously put a little veil on right because you're gonna get stung maybe um but you dump them all in the box and you seal it up and then you know for the first like two weeks of a new hive you gotta like leave sugar water out and they're gonna they're gonna eat the sugar water because they don't have reserves build up but after that they just start making honey right and once a year you just go in and you're like shitload of honey once a year. You're gonna, I, I, you only use four frames a year, and I see like ten frames of honey. So these six right here are coming with me because they have plenty to survive over the winter, mm. and they just keep making and making and making and making surplus, 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 surplus. But it's Houston; like our winter is like two weeks long. You know, they go through only four frames per hive in 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 the Houston area for to make it all through a winter. But I can, I mean, there's sixteen other extra hives, up, you know, like frames up there. So they just keep making surplus honey, and so how, it's how just a honey-generating box. Frame? You just go and take honey from it, and you're like, God damn, this is my free honey. It's my fucking honey. It's all <laughs> <laughs> mine. You're like the honey king. <laughs> and then you just <laughs> scrape it off, and you put it in jars, and you have all these, like, you're like, damn, I got, like, two gallons of honey. Two gallons of honey, and they just keep making more. Oh, that's fucking awesome. No, it's so like you went through all this effort to learn to skydive and you're spending tens of thousands of dollars in wind right. tunnels and all this and stuff. And it's like, you could just put two boxes in your backyards and then you just like have honey. Like it's that easy. You just go and take it. And... But what do your neighbors say? Uh, Are the kids getting stung? When, when we had like neighbors who were around a lot, they would, um, they would like at first be like, a beehive, huh? Up Ugh. there on the rooftop. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's smart. We're just like, yeah, we'll give you honey. And they're like, Oh, okay. perfect. Yeah, that's a great idea, actually. I love bees. Oh, Very cool. <laughs> so when we get a harvest, no you just go over and hand them a oh. jar of honey, and they're like, we are totally okay with this arrangement. Simon, where do I buy the boxes and the fucking friend? Where do I do? What do I do? I There's want- like just a basic Google website. Because okay, in the Houston area, a uh, and that's not, it's not to be dismissive, G-L-E. but what I'm saying is like the way beekeeping works is that like outside of, of the city area, you have like little apiaries. People are farmers and they like, they move their boxes around to their, the farm field and stuff. They make money just like having bees. They're a little bit more of an industrial scale than I am. Right. And um, 
And uh, the, every every spring, if you don't have boxes to put your bees in or whatever, because they keep multiplying, they keep multiplying, they'll start splitting hives, and then they'll just say, like, okay, I can sell, like, 20 boxes of bees this spring. How they and so you go and you get on the website, you know, you look around, look, Google the local apiaries in the area, because, I mean, I wouldn't recommend you the ones around Houston. You live, like, three hours away, right? right, right? right. No, there's, you know, so there's you do the ones around Austin, and, local then, honey everywhere and then, here. like, Austin. for right now, there's usually, like, a four-month lead, and you want to start in the spring. So I'd say, like, right now, this time of year, you Google one up, and you say, like, I want to buy a box of bees, and you pay your deposit, and then they say, okay, your bees will be ready on April 22nd. Now, okay. if this day is, like, mid-January, and they're, like, so that's, like, a three-month notice. Right. You have to reserve them that far ahead wow. of time for when they're going to start doing splits. So you're like, okay, I just bought a package of bees, and I don't have anything. I'm not a anything. beekeeper, yeah. right? So yeah, yeah, then, yeah. The, you know, the next wave comes around, and you just go to, like, a beekeeping supply store on the internet, and you just, like, buy the boxes and the frames, and you watch some YouTube videos and what, a book. What's and a it's, box and a frame? What's a box so, and a couple frames cost? How many frames are in a box? Um, Hey, we're yeah, saving not, the not world on this Now you really got podcast. me on the spot, right? Bees. When I first got started, we bought two full things of, of beehives and two suits and a smoker and then, like, the boxes of bees, and that was about 400 bucks for all of it. Wow. Now, if you're, like, starting one and, I don't know, like, maybe you don't want the whole bee suit or whatever, maybe you just avail. I want the fucking suit, but I'll wear my verticals. But um, yeah, so you dump, you, you just dump the bees in it, and then they just start making honey, and then you just go every year, and you're just like, oh, this is my honey, bitch. So, so, so you take the frame out, and it's a honeycomb. Yeah. And you peel the honeycomb out, and what you smash it and soak. Uh, some people do that. There's there's a few different ways depending on on like how the frame is built and what what's called the foundation of it. Some people put like um certain types of sheets in there to make it easier to handle when you take it out, or you can just go oh natural at the bees. You get a lot less honey because they spend more time making wax okay. versus putting like a like a like a foundation on. Then they draw it all out with the wax. Um. But what we usually do is we cut the caps off. You kind of like hot knife it, cut the caps off, and then we get like a centrifuge. Uh, it's like this. It's made for beekeepers. It's a big old hand turned crank mm -hmm. for like yeah, three frames okay, at a time. There's a local bee beekeeping club, and uh, they have like the club has like two or three of them, and you pay like an annual membership of like ten bucks a, a year to the club, and it gets you free access to. Oh, so you take your so you your reserve frames, it, right? There, you, you, you can pick pick tops. it up, pick it up from the 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 beekeeping club president's garage, right? And uh, you just pick it up and bring it back to your house, oh, and your you and your friends kind of, yeah, you wow. just throw some newspaper down, some towels, right? And then you all hang out, like drink some beer, and like cut some caps off, and spin them in the little centrifuge, and it all like goes down. And then, like you can filter out some like, you know, residual wax, and just jar it right there. And then, you know, the hard part is the cleanup, man, because I don't know if you know, honey is a sticky mess. Well, and then yeah. when you got like this big giant tub that you're doing the centrifuge thing on, then it's like, how are we gonna wash this thing? It's not fitting in the sink. So you pretty much just like take Hose it to the shower. You just like drop down shower. and like just hop in the shower for the hot water. Right, yeah, it's it's honey. You go and hose water. it. Like I don't know. You don't. You have a, like a water heater on your hose, right? Because it's just gonna blast right <laughs> off of it. Right? You want like hot, hot water, right? So you just like strip down and take it in the shower, and you're just in there like with your sponge like, in the shower, oh, all butt ass naked. Honey like, all yeah. over your mm. fucking ass. You always take a minute too because it's residual, right? You just Winnie the Pooh that shit. You just. In there. <laughs> Shirt cocking it like the poo, just rubbing honey like all You're over like, your ah, face. Like I'm gonna be in the, the shower anyway. <laughs> I'm already in the shower. I'm already naked. Like, <laughs> nah, but I never did it. <laughs> so, so, um, beer or or your own mead, which which tastes better, or your cider? They're all fun, man. Like this, the it, having it's all fun, isn't it's it? It's all it's like you just do different things for different occasions. Yeah. But so, you get to nerd out because you don't have any kids, so your whole kitchen yeah. is done. <laughs> no kids for me. <laughs> my whole house is just like a like a playroom laboratory. Yeah, my house is a playhouse. Yeah. But not for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's for the dudes. No, that's fucking dope, man. Like, so, um, mead. Yeah. Does it have a high alcohol content? It I can. Drew still brews mead. 
you know, there's there's really off. no like professional making standard of mead making that like when you make a mead at your house you have to conform to. Right? So it's really kind of mead is kind of a wild west, you know. You want to like is throw some raspberries in there. It it's well, a liquor is a distilled is a distilled product. Oh. So okay. like you you made it's some kind of alcoholic and beverage and yeah, and uh-huh. So that's that's okay. that's a liquor. So mead is a wine. Uh, so a, a, you could call it that, uh, and if you want to get like more into the the guts, you would say that a wine is a fruit fermented product, okay. and a beer is a grain fermented product, right. and so a mead would just be its own thing. Like a sake is a rice fermented product. product. But you could distill a fruit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, like brandy. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's brandy. It's it's distilled from grapes. So what do they do? They take the let's say. They take the fermentation and they heat that up, and, mm -hmm. and the alcohol dissipates, and that's where the liquor comes from. Just same thing as making whiskey too, right? You just instead of doing fruits, you just make a like a, a distiller's beer, five seven percent whatever. You're just mashing all that corn and barley and rye or whatever, and you're just making this gross distiller's beer. Like you sip it, you're like, oh, it just tastes like like you know, like old cereal, right? Right. <laughs> and then because uh, there's no hops in it or anything, like it's just like unfiltered mess of fermented ground corn and shit like that. Right. But yeah, and then you just distill all the crap out of it until it's just like a pure ethanol and then like you water it down to where you just want like the pure ethanol, the distilled alcohol from it uh -huh. and then age it in barrels if you want and then until it, for a long time until it gets nice and brown and it, call it bourbon, right? <laughs> that's exactly what happens, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. It starts from a, from a fermented product. Right. And then they distill it and then they put it in the barrels for the flavoring and that's what yeah. that means. Wow. So for your pub, what would you do? <laughs> uh, would it be in Houston or Austin? You know, it, it keeps. It would be in Houston for sure. What do you think, of Austin? Uh, oh, it's far away. It's far. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, two and a half hours up the road, dog. You've been over to Chile. You talking about Austin's far? Austin's its own. It's a, It's its own animal. It's 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 it's, it's got its own culture. It's Houston. for sure not, man. There's there's you a. You know, it's not the same. It's it's. When I first got here, I was like, oh, this is dope. And then now I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> it's not as dope we, as Well, you really see it is in, like, the tacos, right? You come okay, to a place like Austin. Tacos are better well, you, you, come, tacos. you come to a place like Austin, and, like, tacos are, like, this, this like, art platform for creating interesting fusions at, like, a, a, a vegan restaurant or something like that. Yeah, Austin. And yeah, that, yeah, that's Austin. Like that's that's what tacos are. Like there's just yeah. like this platform for doing all this like fancy stuff. It's slowly and, like, getting to me. And, <laughs> then uh, you go to Houston, and then when you go to Houston, weird. going out for tacos <laughs> means something entirely different. Okay. Right. Like you're on your bike riding down riding down the neighborhood, and you got to find that like gravel lot with like the little like food truck in the corner, and the old grannies in there like still making her little tortillas. Right. She like doesn't speak like English. And uh, she's just like rolling them out, like on the little flat thing, heating them up. And then you get like the, um, all the, you can pick the different meats with the lime and the cilantro. And they're like small, they're like a dollar each. Yeah. And you just get like six of them. Done. Fuck yeah, you do. That's how it was You in get them like pastor, man. or I mean the chicken, or uh, all that. And you just get these like little, and then that's, uh, that is legit. That is, that those is are legit. what tacos are. 
right? That Austin took the idea of tacos and turned it into this like thing, and they charge five like, bucks a fuck taco. Yeah, five six bucks a taco to like do this, you know, to turn it into like an art show or something like that. <sighs> and you've been in Houston, impressed. like, no, this is legit. Like, this is where like what real tacos are, and you just ride right. your bike from taco truck to taco yeah. truck. All fucking day, all fucking night. Just get like three, four tacos over here from that lady, and then you go to like that white taco truck over there, and they're just selling for a dollar. And like, that's eating tacos. That's man. When we first got here, we were amazed about the food truck culture because it's a veneer. Holy shit, there's food trucks. There's all these cool restaurants. They don't need a building, and they can create. But then you walk up, and the menu prices are thirteen, eight, ten for an item, and it's like this in Oklahoma. That's Austin culture, dude. We go up to this one fucking taco truck, baby, a dollar a taco, fresh onion, cilantro, and little steak. old ladies in there like Jeez. chopping shit Homemade up, right? Homemade corn tortillas for your ass, dude, a dollar each. You get here, it's heartbreaking a little bit. It's not the dude's same. Dude's got his but little curly cool. mustache yeah, and his and his like shirt on. It's all fucked, you guys. <laughs> we gotta go to Panama. <laughs> we're all headed to Panama Alright, so I'll we're gonna here, get man. to the Friday freak out, baby um, We are skydivers We've been doing this shit You've been doing it longer than me 16 years in, I'm 14 years in Right when I was 19, we saying, man Yeah, we were saying that uh, numbers don't feel weird 5,000, 10,000 skydives But when you start getting 15, 14, 13 years in the sport 20 years, man some Fuck, it feel, but It's like, how is your body still held together? Uh, <laughs> Right now, but here's the deal. How much respect do you have for the guys that have 15, 16 years in the sport, a couple thousand jumps? It's like, man, you know, even though on this end of it, we're like, ah, they just gave up on life and went skydiving. But as an upcoming jumper, you're like, these guys are sky gods, you know? Like, I sure hope not. (laughs) uh, They do. You know how it is, man. Think about how you were with 25, 30 jumps. Maybe sit flying and you see a video with a guy with a lightsaber in his hand, head well, down. No, but back then we didn't have stuff like that. Cause what, the lightsabers? Yeah, when I, when I was 19 years old, started jumping, man, people were still jumping VHS tapes on their fucking helmets. Hey, let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. yeah. To have a VHS. <laughs> so when you, when you wanted video of yourself right. and you were a young jumper... What you had to do was always carry with you my me tape, my me tape, and you had a VHS tape that was just always in your gear bag. That was your me tape. And then when you were on a jump, like you did a four way, and they had the little video guy, and he was, and you were, you know, the rookie like on the group trying to learn some four way at a little Cessna drop zone or something like that. You had to come down at the end of the day and be like, "I'll buy a case of beer if I can copy those videos on my me tape." Oh. And then you would you would hook her, their camera up to the VCR, me, yeah. and you would record your jumps to your VCR to the to the VHS. VHS tape, and then and then you would always stop it like where you last recorded, so your 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 VHS tape was like your video lockbook. Wow. Because right? it wasn't on computers, right? So you just had VHS tapes, and you would label the the, the stickers like jumps from you know jump right. number whatever whatever yeah. whatever, and then you would go home and you would put your little VHS tape in the VCR player. So my we didn't have YouTube and right, Facebook right, right, and right. all this shit like that, right? right. GoPros, GoPros, none of that, whatever. Shout out to GoPro. Thank you, GoPro. Yo, my mentor, Jack Reese, would tell us stories about VCRs with a battery pack in your jumpsuit connected to the cameras. So, so some of them, but film. they also had those high 8 millimeters, and, and then they started using those little mini DV tapes. And the mini DV tapes mini stuck DVs around for a long badass. time. That yeah. was bad. That made cameras so much smaller. The, the little side mount right yep. there. That it was like was low Sony. profile. Get like the little carbon Before that, it was protection the PC9 and the yep. PC1000. I had the PC1000. That was my first camera. With the fisheye joint. That was the Fuck first yeah, one I that bought. Was the first one I had. And I bought it from some dude in the drop zone that was done using it. You know. Before I ended up buying one of those when I had, was 
very, very new jumper uh, because they wouldn't let you put a camera on your helmet. We would go buy those like little disposable ones from like Walmart or, or you know, or Kmart when they had those, you know, that you would like click and like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the yellow ones. The yeah, the they're disposable, joints. right? And then like you would <laughs> drop them off at the little film center and then you would come back and. And we used to like yeah. jump out and like try and take pictures of each other Fuck with those. Yeah, you did. Because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the drop zone management wouldn't let you like put a camera on your head, right? Hey, don't do that. So you, you need just two hundred sky. Well, you don't have to. Buy anymore. the USPA says y'all need two hundred sky eyes for. Hey, but if you have a GoPro, you're like. <laughs> I don't even think they sell those things anymore, right? No, you, you just stick them in your jumpsuit. You just like. And if you jumper, dropped it, if you dropped one of those things, you lost two bucks. You drop a GoPro. There's a way to do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to talk about I'm it. I'm not no, condoning any of that. way to do it. All right, Friday Freakouts. Baby, how many cutaways you got, son? Oh, shit, something like 13. Okay, you got 10 rating. How yeah. many tandems? <laughs> like, about half of them were on tandems. Yeah. And, like, half. I only have, like, 500 tandem jumps. Damn it. Yeah, I was at a drop zone for a while that had, like, some line Where the fuck were you maintenance. at? Maintenance. Where are you at? I'm not calling anybody <laughs> out. But I worked at a drop zone for a couple years. That, that uh, was, like... Fuck you, that yeah. drops load. Like, line overs were like every hundred oh, jumps on these canopies Jesus and all that stuff. How often did you scream at the canopy before you cut it away? <laughs> no, dude, it was... It, it went into that tandem skydiving culture there. Like, everyone was, like, looking forward to their next cutaway because it's not your gear. It's not, and, and like, fuck no, it. No, whatever. Like, it hey, happens every hundred jumps. I would be like, fuck. <laughs> you just <laughs> kind of look up and be like, like sweet, ah, let's again. go again, right? Again, yeah. It's like, ah. Yeah, oh, fuck, man. So I've got 15... But in 2,200 tandems, 13 of them are yeah. tandems. Like it's, it's a very tandem-heavy kind of, it's when you start a, oh. skewing. Dude, you just look up, you're like, motherfucker. I used to scream at it, I'd punch my risers. No, but I didn't get mad. Like, why are you taking it personal? No, just, you know. <laughs> you know, because you ain't got to go get it. It's right, just, yeah, uh, why take it personal? So Don't be mad at it. Just be like, here we go, we're having I would, fun. <laughs> hey, I would tell my students, look up. I'm like, ah, yeah. hey. So I you learned look real up. quick, I think I had this on the show once. I had to learn how to stop saying oh shit. Yeah. Where she was rad. Because they were, oh shit, man. What's wrong, man? Am I okay, man? I'm like, no, dude, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> or when no, you get so the reserve open them. and they're like, oh, can we do that again? And yeah. you're like running out of parachutes, bro. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I just say, look up. They look up and I go, pop. They go, ah. <laughs> Boom, it opens again. I'm like, how is that? That was two for one. <laughs> Hold these handles. <laughs> this is fucked up. God damn it. I miss tandems. I do too, man. I actually like doing them. I love them. I say I gotta set aside a weekend to like go drive out to Joe's place and be like, yeah, man, I just gotta do tandems today because they're fun. Because you gotta keep your tandem current. You gotta keep your, gotta keep the rating. You gotta do your jumps for the year. So you gotta like find time to fit them in. But I enjoy doing them, man. I I love it. I just hate. I just hate some. Well, I worked some good DZs. It's just that every fucking load, drop the rig, get on the plane, get on the plane. Oh, when they're like working hard. It's like, dude, you prep for it. You're like, you look forward to it. I don't know about you, man. I'm gaining weight. I'm gaining weight. So like. It's like a it's it's a today it's like going to a gym, you know? Like I'm running rigs back and forth and picking up people uh, running the plane. Like I'm like, man. <laughs> I'm not trying to do that. Some people go out and run 15 miles. I used to do a day of tandem. Uh, I'm like, "Oh, I'm fuck not yeah." I'm trying to do that shit. I'm trying to go have fun with these people. Yo, when the parachute opens and you with your first tent. Dude, the whole thing, the whole from the high five, "Hi, I'm Waz." It's a great experience. It's the best experience. These people and are you develop scared, over shitless. the years. You develop like your little like banter jokes oh, that you tell them. Like and, and the, all your friends have heard a thousand times, but they uh-huh. never heard it. So like, you say oh, it again, yeah, dog. Yeah, yeah. It's the same because they always they work love. on a fresh always. on <laughs> on fresh meat. <laughs> always. Hey, what was the worst thing you used to tell your tandems? Like, worst thing? Yeah. What was the worst worst thing you 
Or one of the worst things. I've got 10, man. I, I used to torture my people. I still torture. You come you to know, I fly, I'm going to torture I, you. Well, I, I was never really as much of a, uh, of a, like, a, I'm going to scare you saying, like, things that happen as much as I just act like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, you're the dumb guy. Oh, well, is this the right fucking thing? Like, I, like, put the harness on him. I'm like, I think that's okay. And I just, like, wander off. And I would just, like, watch him for, like, a minute as they're looking at their friends. Like, you go meet them early. And so they're just like, I don't think it's okay. Right, like, they're, like, right. trying to look at the hook, like, look at it weird. And I'll come back. Like, ah, I was just messing with you. I'm just right. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I wasn't. No. I, wasn't, I would, like, torture them. Not the, not the one, like, oh, you're going to die bullshit. Yeah. I would really fuck with their brains. Like, this is bad. I was really bad, okay? Like, I don't think I, I was know. ever mean. I was, it was bad. Sometimes so, it shakes people up no matter what you do. So if I know, like, my buddy Casey or Fetus has got your kid and they're exiting after me, right? We'll roll out the plane, we'll do a skydive, and I'll turn up the flight line and I'll point and I'm like, look, there's your kid. And the parachute open and the, the video will keep going. I'll be like, oh, they fell off. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lady freak out on me once, so I stopped. It was so bad. Or you know when you disconnect the laterals and they drop. Oh, a and you don't bit? tell them, Ed. I, I remember I'd be like, "Yo, stand on my feet," and I disconnect and I just dump them. They'd be like, ah! I'm like, "Here, take the top." Yeah, I don't do that. I don't. Ah! Oh, dude, that was it was routine. I did 2,200 of the motherfucking yeah. things. Yeah, it was routine. It was every skydive. Every skydive, your mom fell off. <laughs> <laughs> No, we would just we had like a little shtick of like like silly jokes, you know, like when the plane was going down the runway and they're like all tensing up. I was like, oh, we might not make it to the end of the runway. Like, help me push the plane up, push right? The plane up. Push, push the plane push. up, right? You like pushing on the top of the thing, and they're like, at first they go for it, and they're like, ah. Uh, you know? uh, hey, I used to tell I just, them. That, that was my style. I was like, I'm just, I just act like a fool, right? Uh, just to break would, the tension. Yeah. You know? I would tell them, hey, when the door opens, there's a rapid pressure change. You need to plug your ears and your nose or your eyeballs will pop out. And they're like, what? <laughs> and I do it right when the door opens, right? And the door was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> The cameraman's like, chugga, chugga, chugga. <laughs> Probably a great picture, though. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we got to wrap this shit up. Friday Freakout, baby. Shout out to I Love Skydiving.org. Join the team. Dot com, I think. Andrew, Andrew Revis. Yeah, it's something like that, man. Uh, they provide <laughs> us with badass shit. Revisus? Recessivism. Recessivism. He owes me a picture. I've been asking for a while. Hey, this homemade cider is pretty fucking good, son. It's nutritious. You, it's nutritious. Mr. Bones. Friday Freakout, baby. Here we go. Oh, wrong fade. Oh, push play. <laughs> We've got a guest engineer this evening, people. She's been doing pretty good. Shout out Allie Martin. You guys saw her on episode like two or three. <laughs> what is this? Oh, this is Bridge Day. This is Bridge uh, Day. No, look like the, no, oh, fuck. Fuck you. What was that? Dumps. Oh, shit. Okay, so they're doing a two-way off the bridge. It's Bridge Day. His homeboy goes, he goes, and instead of dumping right away, he takes a delay the first jumper dumps, Canopy comes oh, fully out drink. Yeah, and hits him off. in the face. He's rolling under the trees, man. Ah, just... you just got to talk. Run that again, please. Turn that Allie. to the drink. Um, discuss your fucking jumps, man. Talk about delays. Don't just jump off all willy-nilly. That's the lesson we learned from that shit. Well, I mean, I wasn't there. I don't know what the discussion it had, but certainly poorly, there wasn't ex- poorly look, executed. Look. Poorly executed. Boom, boom. Yeah. Homeboy still in free fall as the canopy's coming out. I'm the wondering. Guy, I'm wondering if dude on the left, like, saw the pitch 
and maybe the timing was all, like maybe they planned for a lot longer and they came out really quick and then kind of started calculating in his head like do I try and fall past or do I pitch now and, and risk a canopy collision and uh, you know like should I time it low nuts. like do I have the altitude to to try and whiz past it and just totally I don't know base, I'm speculating base thoughts do I do I I'm gonna fucking die <laughs> that's what's gonna fucking happen one more time please all right so I see what you're saying on the second view you see homeboy. The canopy comes out because, and he kind of turns well, to the from left. Well, from the first like view, first view, you see, you see, dude on the left, like he's like, should I, should I, should I? He's going look, like, look, oh, 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 should, oh, I, see, should, I, should I, should I, should I? Homeboy dumped too quick. Homeboy got so. scared. He didn't take the delay. Hey man, take the fucking delay. If you say you're doing three seconds, don't do one and a half like a little bitch. Uh, man, you're if, putting your friends in danger. If, I'm serious. I've had if, friends if you do can't, that shit if, off the fucking bridge. If the count in your head is is not like in in proper timing, well, maybe doing two loud. A's ain't right. Listen, you know. Let's do this shit right now. If you're going base jump with your friends, you're doing a waterfall or some stupid shit. Gotta you keep, know, if you say four stupid, seconds, gotta be four seconds. Four seconds, man, and count it out loud with your mm -hmm. friends. Because your four seconds is one, two, three, four. <laughs> and their four seconds is one, two, three, four. And just three, put everyone four. else in danger. Yeah, so everybody count out loud. You're taking a three, I'm taking a four, you're taking a two. Everybody, one, two, three, four. Now do that and free fall or off the bridge. we can watch the video again. That's some bullshit. Simon Bones. <laughs> hey, we're halfway through our adventure. We're a quarter way through. We got three more shows to do in the next couple of years. Maybe four or five. Are we still recording? We're still recording, but all we're right, going. We're right. going to end this up. We were probably an hour or more in. So, uh, who's next? Who's coming next? Um, maybe Jet Boy. Maybe there's a couple guys. Tom Hughes from Spaceland. It so I'm going to push one request forward, right? Please. This whole thing about like you got the headphones on uh -huh. and like we can hear each other, right? But like I can hear you in my ears, right? right? Like your voice is in so your clear. Head, you're yeah. you're like you're um amplified in in my head right? right so i was thinking we had that discussion earlier about like you know you imply voices like the darth vader or something like right, that right. so you just hear your, your 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 counterpart in donald duck voice or something like that i kind of went there for a second and then i thought you know what <laughs> have you ever done this before have you ever just bought some balloons and just done some like helium on the show not yet uh-huh when you hear the other person's voice, yeah, I'm telling you, like, I, next I guest, next guest is gonna do some talking with a helium because I wish I had that. Hmm. There's a couple of guests I could have on that would bring you tanks, of oh. fucking tanks. Well, you're talking about a different kind of tank. <laughs> Balloon. Hey, let me tell a fun story to end this up. Scott, I've blown Star Boogie. There was one of those tank parties, and there just happened to be some leftover balloons the next day. Yeah. So we wake up, we're coming out of the tent. And my kids are outside playing catch with some balloons. <laughs> like, little do they know how awesome those balloons actually are. I'm talking helium. We're talking helium, helium balloons. <laughs> Wazzy Circus, Radio, Simon Bones. Where can we find you? Where can we find you? Where can we find you? Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I do the Facebook thing. Camps. Camps. Any camps coming up? This dude holds uh, yeah, the, the best fucking head of camps in the tunnel. You do. Man, the docking off the glass, the breaking in the formation, the yeah, staying we on should, level, yeah, the jumping. We gotta schedule Your camps are fucking amazing. That's, I'll call I Jason. respect the shit out of you for that. I do a lot of camps and competitions. I've stolen a lot from you. No shit. <laughs> the, hey, the build, that the, eight the build off thing the glass with the, and with the base. Yeah. yeah, that shit's, man, that's fucking legendary. Uh, shout out JDF, too. He, um, you guys. And I gotta text him after this and be like, hey, we need to schedule another camp. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we got another camp. I tell him I said, what up? Man, um, a Titan. In the skydive community. Good luck on the 100 way. Hopefully, I'll get on it. 
Come out, man. I know I can do it. It's just time and money and shit like that. I know. Well, fuck off. Love. Wazzy Circus Radio, bitches. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> Kill that shit. Stop. <laughs> Boom. We did it.